Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Today we will be reading from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. If you do not have a Bible, please raise your hands and the ushers that are coming down the aisles will be happy to give you one. If you do not have a Bible at home or know someone who needs a Bible, please feel free to take this as our gift to you. Again, we'll be reading from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. And if you have a Bible that was just handed out, that will be on page 895. Please follow along as I read. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose those who were foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what was weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what was low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you who are in Christ, who, have, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much that we can boast in you and that you do give us the wisdom that we need. You give us the strength so that we can show the world who you are. Please be with us today as Pastor Mike brings your message and let, let us have ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning. You can have a seat. My name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. If today's your first day, if you came because somebody invited you, or if you came because you saw a sign, or however you got here and it's your first day, I just want to let you know that we're so glad that you're here. If you and I have never met, I would love to do that, and so there's a couple of ways that we can do that. The first is that we can meet right out in the courtyard right after service. Uh, I'd love to shake your hands, fist bump, whatever you're into out there. Another way that we can meet is you can send me a text, 602-763-3331. I'd be happy to connect with you that way. And then finally, uh, maybe one of the better ways for us to meet, one of the best ways for us to meet, is if you'll just fill out one of those Connect cards. We're going to be talking a lot about those Connect cards today uh, that that, uh, was just referenced a little bit ago. As a matter of fact, Jordan, will you do me a favor? Jordan Swayze, will you bring me one? Uh, I just want to make sure that I have it up here with me. Just grab me a Connect card and and just bring it up here. Watch, watch, Watch him go. Watch. Watch this. This is great. Look at this humble service right here. He just, I, who knows? I wonder what else I could get him to do. Anyways, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyways, uh, if you'll fill out one of these Connect cards, just give me uh, some basic information, your name, phone number, and email, uh, and then put it uh, either at the info table uh, or put it in the giving box. Sometimes people will do that, and I'll reach out to you uh, that way. So we are in the third week of a series that we're calling Corinthians called out and called to. What we're really doing, whenever we say we're in a series, what we're doing usually is just walking through a book of the Bible. We're just in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, and we're going through it verse by verse, passage by passage, chapter by chapter, and we are allowing it to inform us and transform us. We are learning from God's Word and and allowing God's Word to change us and mold us more and more into His image. And so as we're looking at this letter that's written by Paul 
to this church, uh, Paul who has been called out by Jesus so that he can go tell people about Jesus, we're reminded that there's a lot of times where we have been called out of something and called into something. As Christians, we have been called out of something and therefore we've been called into something. And so in week one, we said that Christians are called out by Jesus to tell others about Jesus. This is what Christians do. Christians are people who have been chosen, saved, and loved by Jesus so that we can go tell other people about Jesus. And we'll try to get that done in all sorts of ways. For example, yesterday we, we had an event. We called it, uh, it wasn't our event. We just partnered with it. It was called Love Our Schools Day. And a bunch of people met over at the school right over here, and we just were there to love the school. What, what did we do? Whatever they asked us to do. We did some gardening. I did some farming. Me and my, my my buddy Devin, we're, we're world-class farmers now. We did some farming over there, and that's not surprising. I've been farming for a long time. I was able to apprentice Devin with me, and now he can add that to his resume, which is good. Uh, some people did some other stuff, like, like book uh, cleaning and, and, and painting and all kinds of stuff is really good. But the reason that we did that is because we wanted to tell that school that there is a church here, people who know Jesus, and we want to go over here and serve you because that's the kind of thing that Jesus would have done. Right? We are those kinds of people. It's why we're hosting Trunk or Treat this year. It's why we're asking for you to bring in all this candy and have a trunk. Because while we usually go out to tell people about Jesus, on Trunk or Treat, on October 31st, people will just show up here. And we get to sort of tell them about Jesus. They are going to come for candy. And we get to tell them, like, hey, Christians are nice people, regular people. You don't have to be afraid of us. We like candy. You like candy. It's not. Let's just not make it weird. It would be great. Right? This is the kind of things that we do. So we are called out by Jesus to tell others about Jesus. In week two, we said that Christians are called out of division and into unity. Like that the whole world is like divided. The world is divided up over all kinds of silly stuff. They just find different things to argue about and fight about and all those kinds of things. And Christians are the kind of people that will say, hey, we are going to like hold loose to those kind of things because we're going to be unified around this thing that we do, which is to go out into the world, tell people about Jesus, baptize them when they believe, and then disciple them to be more like him. This is the kind of things that Christians do. And then in week three, we started to look at wisdom. We were getting into like three or four weeks in a row where we're going to look at wisdom. And in week, week, week three, we said that Christians are called out of foolish thought and into wise thought. The Christians are, are like called out, like, hey, stop thinking about things uh, from a foolish perspective and start thinking about things through a a, a, a wise perspective, and that that wisdom is godly wisdom. That part of following Jesus is getting our thoughts right, getting our mind right around godly wisdom, that we are to get godly wisdom through the reading of God's Word, that we're to sit like underneath God's Word. It should like sort of be over us so that when we, when we take it in, we are changed and transformed by it, that we get godly wisdom from His Holy Spirit and from other Christians. And we said that wisdom is important because our thoughts will always lead our actions. It's, it's really important how we think about stuff and where we get wisdom because our thoughts will inform our actions. It will, it will sort of help, it'll help us determine what are the things that we do and what do we don't do will be based on our thoughts. And so here is the thing that I want you to know today. It's sort of a, a universal truth. Sometimes, 
Sometimes people, even really smart people, do really dumb things. Hey, have you ever like, found this to be a universal truth? That sometimes people do dumb things. Maybe you're in the room today and you could admit that you've done something dumb from time to time, like silly, foolish, whatever word you're more comfortable with. But some of you, like I've, I've seen it, have done some dumb stuff. And I'm not immune to it. I do dumb stuff too. My family's sitting close today and so I don't want them to call me out. I'll share just one story of many of the dumb things I've done. One time, uh, Penny, had, Penny and I were, were pretty early on in marriage. I think we were pretty young on. We were trying to figure it out, trying to make things work. It was going pretty well. And we went out and we bought our, we made our first big purchase. We bought a new car. We bought a car. Like we had, we had two like really junky cars and we thought we should probably get a car that's not so junky. We're going to have these kids and we want to drive them around and we don't want to be broke down on the side of the road. And so we looked at our budget. We made a determination. We can afford a car payment. We knew exactly how much it was, like down to the penny. And we thought we could probably make this work. And so we got this new car and now we have this new car and this new car payment. And we're, you know, that's cool. And then the next day, like literally the next day, we bought this like on a Saturday. It's the next work it was a Monday, my car's battery died, right? My car's battery died. And I was like, well, I'm a guy. I know what to do when your car battery dies. Like you go get a new battery and you change it. I mean, that's what men do. Men know a lot of stuff about cars. And that's how, that's the kind of thing that a man would do is go and change his battery. You don't need to ask somebody else. You don't need to admit you don't actually know how to do it because you're like 25 years old and you should have learned this at some point in time. And so I went to the car store and I bought a battery off the shelf. I just bought a battery and I walked over and I was like, well, this seems pretty simple. This battery is hooked up here and, and you put this thing on this thing and it'll go good. And I did that, but I didn't realize that batteries sometimes come with the positive and the negative terminals reversed. And some of you that know more about cars have now revealed yourself. Some of you that don't know anything about cars that don't realize what I've done yet, make sure you ask somebody before you do this yourself. So it turns out that when I did this, I like fried the electrical system. And so now our junkie car just doesn't work at all anymore. It's, it's garbage. I called somebody. I said, hey, this is what I did. What should I do? And they said, just tow it to the junkyard because it's over for you. Yeah, that's great. That's not the phone call you want to get. You can imagine the phone call I called Penny with. I was trying to figure out how do I like walk this back. Hey, honey, you're not going to believe what happened. Uh, this strange guy just walked up. Anyways, <laughs> you all probably don't do stuff that dumb, but now you know you're being led by somebody capable of such foolishness. So there it is. Here's what I want you to know today. This is the thing that I hope that you get, uh, the thing that I want us to understand from Paul's word today. Christians are called out of foolish actions into wise actions. Christians are called out of foolish actions and into wise actions. This is, we're taking in this letter, we're taking in Paul's letter to this church at Corinth, and we want it to transform us, and we want us to be the kind of people that realize, hey, we're called out of foolish actions into wise actions. To be the kind of people that will sometimes do something dumb, but won't like live in doing dumb stuff. Right? And so it's my prayer today that many of us would move towards wise actions even today. Specifically, I want people in this church that are gathered up here today to move towards wise actions today, to take a step towards an action. And so here's the actions I want you to take. You see, at Mission Valley, we say that we are a church on mission to see the, to see the valley transformed by the power of the gospel, and that transformation starts with individuals. Uh, 
As individuals are changed, then we can go out and help others change too. And so we want this to be the kind of place where individuals are transformed. We want to see individuals transformed here. We want to see lives change here. That's what we are preaching Jesus for and all of that about. And to that end, we always say that everyone has a next step to take. Every week, the person that's doing the hosting, have you heard that? They'll say, everyone has a next step to take. And so if you're wondering, well, what is that next step? What is that? What's that action? What could I do? It's where the connect card comes from. It's why we talked about it and why I asked Jordan to bring it up to me. I want everyone today, if you are willing, if you feel comfortable, I want you to consider taking a next step. And the connect card is sort of your way to do that. It's your, your, your plan for how to do that. If you don't have one, we have more at the info table. We have more uh, in the back and we can get them for you. But I would love for you to take a step. If you would, if you could, maybe by the end of the service, you came in here and you would say, hey, I wasn't a believer, but I'm interested in what it would look like to become a believer. Like, how do I do that? How do I believe in Jesus? I think if you took a step towards that, it would be helping you to get your action right around eternity and everything in your life. Maybe you would say, hey, uh, I, I would like to figure out how to become a server here. And so I would love for you to take a next step and say, I would love to serve somewhere in this church. I'd love to, to start helping out. I'd love to join a team where I could serve. And I think if you would become a server here, it would help you. It would transform your life around the actions of how you spend your time. Maybe you came in here today and you were like, hey, I feel like I'm kind of walking through life without a group of people. I'm walking through life and I don't have like a lot of friends or, or I don't have a lot of people in my life that are helping me to encourage me. If that's you, I hope you would take a next step towards joining a discipleship group to say, hey, I want to be in group with somebody. And I think if you did that, it would help you get your actions right around relationships. I think discipleship groups are one of the greatest things we have going on at this church. And if I could just be totally transparent with you, we only have about half of the people of the church signed up for them. I think it's one of the best things going on. And like half the people that come here are like not taking advantage of that. And so I feel like, hey, I would love for you to do that. And maybe you would say, hey, I've taken all of those steps. And then for you, I would want you to take the next step of becoming a member. And so today, at any point in the service, if you take one of these Connect cards, fill it out, give it to me, turn it in at the info table, I would love for you to do that because I believe that being a member of a Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving church will help us to be a people who avoid foolish actions and embrace godly actions. I think it'll help us be that kind of people, and I want that for you. And so that's the transformation I'm praying for today. I literally am praying that I get a hundred of these connect cards today. That's what I've been praying for during the week. I just hope people fill these out. I hope people take this seriously. I can't make you do it. I'm not even like oomphing you to do it. I'm just encouraging you to do that. And so uh, with that in mind, let's open up this word today uh, that Mitzi read to us just a moment ago and allow it to inform and transform us. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, for Consider your calling, brothers. Consider your calling. Recognize this. He's asking me, hey, consider that thing. You've been called out, so consider that. And then he goes on to say, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Paul says, consider your calling. You have been called, so consider that. Paul's reminding the church at Corinth and us that we were called. Called by who? Called by Jesus. You have been called called out of who you were into something new. So consider your calling. Think on your calling. Reflect on your calling. Be defined by your calling. Think on these things. You see, when we were called, we were not wise. When we, when we were called, we were not powerful. When we were called, we were not noble. But having been called, 
Having been chosen, having been loved, having been saved, we are something new. The Bible literally says that when you become a Christian, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We are Christians, and so that doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that we're different than we used to be. Like we were a certain way and we were called out of that. That we were called out of that and called into something new. We now have wisdom. We now have wisdom from God's Word and from the Holy Spirit. We have access to godly wisdom. Every day you can just open your Bible. I don't know what you did this morning for your Bible reading plan, but this morning at our house, we just opened up the Proverbs of the day. Penny just opened it up and she read it to us. We were sitting there eating breakfast and she opened it up and she read it to us. And all of us sitting there were like, wow, I see where this applies to me right now. Like there was just practical information from the Bible that was helpful for us today. We have access to that wisdom. We also have power. We have power in Christ over so many things. You were powerless when you were called, but now you have Jesus, and so you have power. What do you have power over? You have power over sin. You don't have to be controlled by sin anymore. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to do that because you have Jesus in you. When I hear a Christian say, I'm really struggling with sin, I want to remind them, like, you have Jesus' power in you. You have Holy Spirit power in you. And so I get you're struggling with it, but you have the power in you to overcome that. It's why we're going to sing a song today. Kobe wrote this song for us, but here's a song that we're going to sing where we literally have power over death. Like that's the power that you have in you. I don't think we take this, I don't think we think about this enough. We have power over so many things as Christians because we have Jesus in us and also we have nobility. It says, when you were called, not many of you were noble, but we are now sons and daughters of the one true king. Do you all understand that our king is on the throne, and if you are a Christian, you are sons and daughters. Your father is the king of kings and lord of lords. That is who you are. You have nobility now. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I like that. I like that when you guys get excited with me. That's cool. All right. We've been called from what we were to what we are so we can think and act differently. But in a reminder not to become arrogant about that, Paul goes on. He doesn't want us to become arrogant about this. Not like, ooh, look what I've achieved. I don't want us to think like that either. So Paul writes this, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Paul doesn't want us to be boastful like, oh, look at me. Now I'm wise and noble and powerful. He doesn't want us to boast in that. So he's reminding us that we are, we're different and we're, we're different and we're changed, but it's not because of anything we've done. It's only because of what's been done for us. We've been called out and set aside by Jesus. And so now we have these things, but, but it's not because of what we've done. So here's the thing. As new creations, we should look, sound, and act different than we used to, but we should not look down on judge or pity or think more of ourselves than others who have not yet been saved. I think this is the hard thing. This is where Christians get in trouble sometimes. We start thinking that somehow we did this. Somehow we earned this. Like, hey, you know my father is on, the, is on the throne. He's the king of kings. Yeah, but don't be acting like you did anything. You just showed up. Jesus did the work. Jesus did the saving. Because we didn't do anything to earn this and we don't deserve it. You see, I spent 18 years of my life not a Christian, and then Jesus saved me, and I believed, and I know I didn't earn it, and I know I don't deserve it, and so I just refuse to look down on anyone who has not believed yet. 
Paul will talk later on in this letter about how he just has no judgment for those that are not in Christ. He's got no judgment and no condemnation whatsoever for those who are not in Christ. He has no expectations of those not yet in Christ. He does nothing for those that are not yet in Christ except for pray that they would be in Christ, right? And so then Paul closes this thought loop to remind us that Christians are now in Christ. So you were called out by Jesus. Don't think of yourself too highly because it's Jesus that did it. And then he's going to close this thought loop. We're just reminding us that, he, that Christians are in Christ. That's what it says. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. You are in him. You are like together with him. You are in him. You are, you are joined together. Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You are a Christian in Christ, so you can boast, but only in Christ. It is Jesus in us that allows us to say, hey, no, I'm not going to partake in that sin. It's Jesus in us that lets us say, hey, I'm going to forgive people that are really hard to forgive. It's not like I'm good at forgiving people. It's Christ in me allows me to forgive even people that are difficult to forgive. And I know that not everyone in the room walked in here today as a Christian, but it is my prayer that you'd walk out that way. It's my prayer that you'd walk out that way because it will change everything about your life. You will then be able to consider your calling. You who were once not wise or bold or powerful or noble will now have godly wisdom, will be able to have power over so many things and will be noble, sons and daughters of the one true king. And so if we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, if we are people in Christ, then let's look at five ideas around our actions. Because if we are in Christ and we are being sanctified, as Paul talks about, if we are being changed, sanctification is just a churchy word. It's a fancy word that means transformed into the image of Jesus. Jesus saves us. That's called salvation. And then Jesus changes us. That's called sanctification. And so as we're being sanctified, our actions should look different. So five ideas around it. And the first is this. Christian, your action is a strong indicator of what you actually believe. Your action is a strong indicator of what you actually believe. Here's the thing that happened yesterday. We told, well, before yesterday, Janine has been telling the, the principal over at Sunset Canyon, hey, this church cares about your school. These people care about your school. Or just all you have to do is give us an opportunity and we're going to love your school. That's what we'll do. And so then they invited us. They were like, well, Janine, if that's true, let's see if that's accurate. And so they invited Janine to start coming to meetings where they were planning what was going to happen yesterday and Janine showed up, right? They, they were like, well, let's see if they actually care. I bet you somebody from that church won't even show up at these meetings. And so Janine said, hey, like she showed up. She prioritized that. She made it a big deal to be there. And then they were kind of wondering yesterday, like, what will actually happen? Will any Christians actually come? Or does Janine just come because she's sort of on staff and it's probably just part of her job? And then you know what happened yesterday? Christians showed up. They showed up. They were, we were there. We said, hey, we're here. How can we help? What do you need done? You need stuff planted? You need stuff moved? You want the library organized? You need tables wiped down? And nobody that was there yesterday, nobody that was there yesterday had any expectation about getting anything back in return. They just showed up ready to work. 
And our actions show what we really believe. If nobody from this church would have showed up yesterday, that principal would have said, no, that church doesn't actually believe that it's important to love our school. Right? Our actions are a huge indicator of what we actually believe. So we said this a couple of weeks ago, and we'll probably keep saying this. Our thoughts and our beliefs should drive our actions. And so if we believe that Jesus is literally in charge of all things, we ought not to fret and have anxiety about anything. If we actually believe that Jesus is on the throne and that he's in charge of all things, we should not be people who are fretting and have anxiety about anything. Right? If we believe that church attendance is important, we ought not to let things get in the way of it. We should just show up. Hey, there's going to be Sundays where you don't want to show up here. There's, you're not going to believe this. I don't even know if I should say it. There's Sundays I don't want to show up here. There's Sundays I don't want to show up. You're not going to believe this. this I'm going to really be honest. The elders will probably fire me for this. There are Sundays where me and my family had one of those mornings where we get to the parking lot and it seems like what maybe would be a good idea is to just turn around and go on home. Like, I don't know if this is a good idea today. Maybe we just don't want to do that, right? But it's important for us to be here. We know it's important for us to believe here. So we will sometimes as a family be like, hey, you know what? We're going to pause this argument right now. And we're going to go into church and we're going to listen to God's word. We're going to, we're going to sing God's word and then we'll reconvene. And if we still want to argue afterwards, hey, we got all afternoon for that. That's just sort of a, a, a Lee family trick. That's one of the things we do. You see, if we believe church membership is important, then we should plant our lives here. Serve here, give here, learn here, disciple here. Y'all, this is the church that I'm raising my kids in. I think this is really important. And so I'll say no to all kinds of other stuff to be fully all in here. And that's what I want for you. If we believe that every good gift in our lives is from God, then we ought to be people who hold all things, including our time, our talents, and our money with open hands. If we believe that everything we get is from God, then we should just be like, hey, it's, it's yours, God. What would you have me do with it? What would you have me do with this time? What would you have me do with my talents? What would you have me do with my resources? If we believe we are a new creation, we should look, sound, and act like a new creation. Sometimes Christians are walking around like, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I could still sort of get down with the bad stuff. And I'm like, that, why? why? We don't need to do that. We're Christians. We, we are a new creation. We don't have to still get down with the bad stuff. That's like, that's like trying to live in two worlds. We don't need to be people like that. We can embrace who we are in Christ. Consider your calling. You have been called out. Now you have wisdom. Now you are powerful. Now you are noble. That's who you are now. If we believe that the Bible is God's word, literally God's holy word, then we should sit so firmly under its authority that it informs our actions and beliefs. If we really believe that this is God's word, it's probably silly for us to just go days at a time without looking at it. It just doesn't make any sense. In Christ, your actions should reflect what you believe. Here's the second thing I want you to think about today in regards to actions. Godly actions may not be affirmed by those who do not believe. Right? When you're doing the things that God would want you to do, and those who do not know God don't affirm that action, don't tell you, yeah, that seems like a good idea, you shouldn't be surprised by that. 
When those people in your life who do not know Jesus yet, who have not been called yet, who are not uh, living under his wise ways, who are not uh, having Holy Spirit power in him, when they look at your life and say, hey, that stuff that you're doing to be part of that church, that looks weird, you shouldn't be surprised by that. You shouldn't be looking for the world to affirm Christian behavior. That just doesn't make any sense. Christian, you and I need to stop looking for so much approval and affirmation from people, especially those who don't believe what we believe. We just shouldn't be looking for affirmation from them. We shouldn't be surprised when our non-Christian friends have different beliefs than us. If you're talking to somebody that's not a Christian and they believe different things than you, hey, okay, but we shouldn't be like asking them, hey, can you affirm what I believe? They're just probably not going to be doing it. We shouldn't be surprised when our non-Christian friends have different values than us. We shouldn't be surprised when our non-Christian friends have different priorities than us. Notice that I'm emphasizing non-Christian friends. You should also have non-Christian friends. Otherwise, how are you going? Who are you going to teach? Who are you hoping you'll get an opportunity to baptize? And then who are you going to disciple? Don't skip that whole part. There's some Christians walking around like, if I just don't know any non-Christian friends, then, then that'll be cool. No, that's not us. We are to be on mission telling people about Jesus. But we should surely not be surprised when our non-Christian friends have different behaviors than us. Again, I want to reiterate, we don't look down on, we don't judge them. We don't, we don't do any of that. We don't judge anyone who is not yet a Christian because we were once not Christians either. So Paul is saying, consider your calling. You were called out of something, and now you're called to something. And so don't look down on those people that haven't been called yet. Don't look down on those people that haven't believed yet, but also don't be looking to them to affirm you doing stuff that Christians do. In Christ, you don't need your godly actions to be affirmed by those not yet in Christ. Here's the third thing I want us to think about today in regarding godly action. Godly action should be affirmed by those who do believe. Godly action should be affirmed by those who do believe. You should be encouraged to continue doing godly things by other people who believe the same thing that you believe. This is why I want you in discipleship groups and service teams so bad. This is why I want it so bad. When I meet people at the church that are like, yeah, I haven't found a service team to get onto yet, or I haven't found a discipleship group to get involved in yet, I'm like, oh man, you're just, you're just missing out on the best thing that we have. You're just missing out on the best thing that we have. Like, like if you ever went, uh, Kobe likes this place. There's a restaurant called Fogo de Chao. You ever heard of this place? Fogo de Chao. Let me tell you what happens over there. This is like a carnivore's dream, this place. All right, this is really cool. You, you sit down and dudes walk around the room with meat on sticks, like swords. It's really tough. It's not just sticks, it's swords. They walk around with like, uh, what is that? A meat swords. They're walking around with like meat swords. It's so cool. Like that's a thing. Yeah. At Fogo de Chao. And you sit there and they give you this little coin. And when it's turned red, that means I don't want anymore. But as long as you keep that sucker on green, they'll keep coming. Like they'll just keep coming. They'll bring you as much meat as you can eat. Keto, you'll love it there. Yeah. If you're a CrossFitter, get after it. I'm telling you, this is the, you're trying to get a dirty bulk. This is the place right? They just keep bringing you meat. But here's the little trick. Here's a tricky little thing that they do at this place. When you first sit down, before any of these gauchos show up with their meat swords, there's a salad bar. You know what they're trying to do with that salad bar? They're trying to get you to fill up on salad so you don't eat that meat. 
Don't get mad at me if you're a vegetarian. I'm just saying. But going to the Brazilian steakhouse and just eating salad and not getting to any of the meat is like coming to church and not getting on a service team and not getting into this discipleship group. Like you're missing the best thing. You get it? This is not the meat. This is the salad bar. I'm the salad bar. I'm the salad bar. You could be in Kobe's group. That's the meat. You could be in Matt and Janine's group. Meat. You could be in George's group. Where's that? You'd be in George's group. This dude has, he has, this is how much he's like, we're the meat. You can literally come get the salad bar in service. His group meets on Sundays right after church. He's like, just don't eat too much in there. Don't eat too much in there. We got good stuff for you. It's good. I like it. That's the meat. That's why I want you in there. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Christians ought to affirm Christian behavior in others, and this happens in discipleship groups and on service teams. As you serve shoulder to shoulder, as you sit around with open Bibles and open lines, this is where you get affirmed. This is where those Christian behaviors get affirmed and where, they, where, they, where they're encouraged where people will look at you and say, oh, I know it is really hard to go out to work in a world that doesn't believe in Jesus. Oh, I know it is really hard to raise these kids. Oh, I know it is really hard to stay married. Oh, I know you have a lot of other friends that are telling you you should probably get divorced, but these seven people are going to say, no way, let the marriage do what it's supposed to do and hold you together, and we'll affirm you doing that. It's what happens in these groups. It's, a, it's the kind of thing that happens. In, in Christian groups, in, 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 in service teams, they'll say, hey, good job showing up this morning. I'm so glad that you're here to serve with me. Maybe you didn't feel like getting out of the car. Maybe you were arguing on your way in. Maybe you didn't sleep good last night. Maybe you went out with some friends last night and you stayed up too late for a guy that like worked out in the garden all day and you were tired this morning. And so when you showed up, maybe that was just me. But maybe uh, when I showed up this morning and people were like excited to see me, that was affirming like, oh, I guess I did the right thing coming here. Maybe in those groups they'll say, I'm so glad you're here. Here's a couple of things that have happened to me recently about this. About a month ago, I got a phone call from somebody in my discipleship group. My discipleship group is getting like, you know, that, that's, that's my version of, I get to be there, I get to be the discipleship group leader. I, up here, I'm just serving salad. But over there, I'm, you know, I'm like the, the sore guy with the meat, whatever, it's pretty cool. Anyways, so somebody in my discipleship group called me up and said, hey, we're thinking about making a major life decision. Can we get some, some of your wisdom for that? And I was like, wow, well, that's cool. Why are you calling me? And they're like, well, because you're our pastor and you're a Christian and you should know some stuff. And I was like, wow, I don't think I know anything, but Jesus does, so let's just talk about it, right? Do you know what I did with my car battery? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. We, we want to talk about buying a house. Uh, we wouldn't ask you how to change a car battery. If you need help with that, by the way, Grandpa's right back over there. He could change car batteries. Bob, thank you so much. I wish I would have known you then. Man, you would have saved me that car. It was worth like 1300 bucks. Anyway, so this person called me and said, could I just get some wisdom around purchasing this house? And so we were able to talk about it and pray about it and think about it. And I think they made a really good decision. Two weeks ago, I got another call. I got a call from a member who wanted some advice. He called me up. He goes, can I just get your advice as a dad? Like you, you have a, a kid and I've got a kid and I've been trying to figure something out. And I said, yeah, sure. Like, what's up? And he goes, well, uh, my son wants to get this particular app on his phone. And I was like, oh, no, the answer is no. You should get as few apps as possible. And he goes, well, I didn't even get to the app yet. And I was like, well, okay, just tell me which one is it, Snapchat or TikTok? And he goes, well, it's Snapchat. And I was like, oh, no, no Snapchat. I think, I think everybody should not have Snapchat. I, this public service announcement, nothing good's getting done with Snapchat. It ain't good. 
It ain't good. Stay off. It ain't good. I think TikTok's pretty dumb too. As a matter of fact, the world would probably be far better off if we got rid of smartphones. I know I just aged myself. Okay, boomer. I'm not a boomer. Like, I'm not a boomer, but, but I'm happy to like play the part of one today. Smartphones are bad. So, but I was just able to talk to this dad. You see, in Christ, your godly action should be affirmed by others who are in Christ and in groups and on teams is where that happens. But the truth is this. I don't really want us to be beholden to affirmations from anybody because godly actions will always be affirmed by God. Here's what I want us to be as people who would consider our calling. Consider the fact that Jesus literally called us out, saved us, and set us aside so that now we can have wisdom and power and nobility. Now that we are those kinds of people, let us not be the kind of person that looks to anyone for affirmation, but rather just looks to our Father. That would just look to our Father and say, God, am I doing this right? Am I doing this how you want us, who want me to be doing it? Are we raising these kids the way you want us to? Are we doing the things with our lives that you would want us to? And God will affirm it. Let me get this out of way, out of the way, because I don't want to, I don't want to like confuse you. Affirmation is not reward. All right, I'm not up here preaching some prosperity gospel that says if you do the right stuff, God's going to give you a big house and a Rolex and a shiny new car. Like, that's not what's going to happen. I'm not offering you that. I'm not promising you that. This isn't a prosperity church. Nothing like that. But your godly behavior will be affirmed by God. You will see it affirmed in his word. You will literally read it in Proverbs and in other places what godly behavior looks like. And you, you will see where you're getting it right. And you will have conviction where you're getting it wrong. This morning, Penny was just reading to us out of Proverbs, our Proverbs for the day. And she was like, she read that verse about like, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child or whatever. And Penny goes, see, when dad and I spanked you, that was good. We didn't, we didn't spank them very much, but like a couple times they got a little swats, right? And it was fine. We just affirmed our thing. We were like, ha-ha. And we looked at one of our kids and we thought, maybe you need a little bit more. I'm just kidding. We didn't, we didn't think that. He's getting too big to spank now. He's, he's engaged and everything. Yo, God will affirm godly behavior. It looks like when you pray about a decision and you come to decision and have peace about it. That's probably God affirming, hey, this is the right thing to do. If you've been praying about a decision and praying about a decision and you keep having anxiety about it and you keep feeling like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here, maybe God hasn't affirmed that. This is affirmation of the Spirit. It's affirmation of the Holy Spirit. It's God saying, hey, yeah, you're doing it right. I remember this time last year we were praying about a possible church merge. We, we hadn't done it yet. Can you all imagine that a year ago we hadn't even met together for the first time? These two churches that became one church, we hadn't even met together for the first time. And now we're all, like a year later, we're just a big old happy family. It's so fantastic. I love it. But I remember, like, yeah, that is kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But, but, but a year ago, like we, we were just praying about this. And I remember praying, God, just give us peace. If this is what you want us to do, give us peace. I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before. None of the other elders know how to do this. And we'll probably mess some stuff up. But if this is what you want us to do, give us peace. I remember praying for peace that, God, if this is your will, just give us peace. And I just remember walking in here on the day of the vote having so much peace. I just had so much peace. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but God does, and I'm going to be fine with it. 
I remember having so much peace. And it's so good when God is just affirming these behaviors in our life. In Christ, your godly actions will be affirmed through God's Word and through His Spirit. Here's the final thing that I want you to know this morning. Godly actions are not sustainable outside of the presence of Jesus. This is why we talk about Jesus first. This is why we talk about being a believer first. Remember what Paul wrote in verse 30 in this passage, you are in Christ. And it is being in Christ that allows your actions to be godly. This is why Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing that pleases God, but in Christ we can be pleasing to God. And if you and I try, if you try, you may from time to time get the do the right thing. You may from time to time do the right thing apart from Christ, but it is in Christ that you can sustain godly actions. It's in Christ that you can do this. It's in Christ. Here's the thing about the Christian life. Without Jesus, it just doesn't work. If you're trying to live like a Christian without Jesus, it just doesn't work. It's like trying to live like a fish without water. Like you just can't get it done. You'll need Jesus to do that. If you're trying to give and serve and learn and, and work at the church and, and care about the things that Christians care about without Jesus, it just won't happen. Without Jesus, it'll feel like a burden and you'll grow to resent it. It's why we preach believe first. It's why Jesus said, go out into the world and tell them about me. Go out in the world and tell them about me. That's what Jesus said. Go out in the world and tell everyone about me. And when they believe, baptize them. And then after that, disciple them. After that, ask them to do these things, to go out and live and tell others about them. But don't be asking people to go out and like live like Christians until they have Jesus. It's why we preach it like that. In Jesus, you can live with godly actions, but apart from him, you'll not be able to sustain these godly actions. And here's the thing that I guess we should always remember as we're considering our calling. It took actions to save you. It took action to save you. It wasn't just words. It was action. Jesus literally left heaven to be born a baby. He left. He went. He came. Jesus literally lived a perfect life. He taught people. He healed people. He performed miracles. And he did all of that while never sinning. These were actions. Jesus didn't talk about saving us. Jesus did the work to save us. Jesus was beaten and mocked and spit upon and crucified. Jesus didn't talk about how it was going to be hard. Jesus went out and did the hard. He did all of it. He did it for you and I. He did all of it. He took every single thing that we deserved. He died and was buried. He died and was buried. He didn't lay down. He didn't go to sleep. He didn't think about what it would feel like to be dead. He literally died. And then three days later, he took the action of walking right out of the grave. And when he did, he defeated Satan, sin, and death forever so that anyone who would believe in him could be saved. It took action to get this done. Our Jesus did everything necessary for us to become Christians. And so what action is necessary on our part? What is our next step? What should we do? Well, if we're not Christians yet, if you're in the room and you've never believed, I want you to repent and believe. I'm asking you to repent and believe. I can't do it for you. I can't make you do it. I have no power to even, to even influence you over it. But if you feel something inside of you telling you, calling you, saying, hey, I've chosen you. I've, I've set you aside. You are different. If you feel that, I would invite you today to repent and believe. To repent is to say, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, and turn away from it and then believe. What is it that you would believe? What do you have to believe? Well, you have to believe the gospel. Can you believe that God made the world and it was beautiful? It was perfect. It worked exactly like it was supposed to. But then man sinned, and when we did, we broke it. 
We broke the world, and you and I know what it is to live in a broken world. If you don't know what sin is, you know how broken this world is. You know that in this world, babies get hurt. You know that in this world, cancer comes. You know that in this world, wars happen. You know that in this world, there's homelessness and joblessness and all manner of disease. You see the brokenness of the world. But I wonder if you realize that the worst part of the brokenness of the world is that it leads to separation between God and man. That our sin is so bad that God can't be around it, and so it separates us from Him. But do you also believe that God had so much compassion on you? So much compassion on you that He would not leave you in that separated state. And so He sent Jesus down here on a rescue mission. And while Jesus was here, He lived it. He did it. He did it all. Lived the perfect life, died the horrific death, and defeated that death so that if you can believe, you could spend eternity with Him. Can you believe today? Can you believe? Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your word. Help us to live like people who believe it. Help us to live like people who believe in you, believe in your word, believe in your promises. Lord, help us to consider our calling. Help us to consider how you saw us, you loved us, you saved us, and you're changing us. Help us to live like that. Help us to consider our calling that we would remember that in you we have wisdom, not of our own, but yours. God, help us to remember that in you we have power over all manner of things in this world that would try to bring us down, that would try to keep us from you. Help us to remember that we have nobility, that we are your sons and daughter, and that you are our king and our father. Help us to remember that. Help us to consider that. And God, if there's anybody in the room today, if there's anybody that's listening to this sermon that has not yet believed in you, we ask you, Lord, save them. Lord, give them the faith to believe. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.